Hey everyone, we're so excited that you are here with us for our last weekend service of 2023. It's been an incredible year and we just are so grateful that you've chosen to join us, whether online or in person. Uh, we believe that you are here for a reason and we believe that Jesus has something for each of us today. And my name is Zach. I'm one of our campus pastors on our team here at Rockbridge. Thank you so much for choosing to join us online, in person. We are thankful for you and we're believing that the best is yet to come for you as we get ready for 2024. And I just want to start off today with a word that we're all thinking about right now. And it's going to be kind of a theme of today and that word is new. And we're thinking about this word in, in a lot of different ways. We're, we're assessing our, our year in 2023. We're thinking about what's coming in 2024. And this word is kind of maybe filling our thoughts, filling our minds, maybe directing our focus right now. And so we're going to use this word today. And as we get started with thinking about the idea of new, I want to start us off with a scripture in John chapter 7 that may be new for you, or, or maybe seeing this will be a, a part of renewal, whatever that looks like for you today. Uh, we're going to start here, and then if you have a Bible, you're f feel free to follow along with us. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 most of our time together. We'll have the scriptures and the words and the points right here on the screen as well, but I encourage you to follow along with us. And where we want to start our journey today is in John chapter 7 with a statement that Jesus has made that it's familiar for some of us, it may be new for others. And he starts with this. On the last and most important day of the festival, we have this setting, this festival setting. Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. And now for most of us, this word, the first word we have underlined right here, believes or believe, it's not a new word. You're in this moment right now, however you're joining us, and, and you probably know that church and Jesus and, and this part of what we're doing today it has a lot to do with this word. This probably is not the first time you've heard this word before. Uh, no matter where your journey with Jesus is at today, and so this, this idea of believing in Jesus, of believing in him is not exactly a new idea. But if we were to look at that word, there's parts of this scripture that are new to some of us. And, and like the last part, that those who will believe in him, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Now that's, a, that's an interesting picture because for so many of us, when we look at the word believe it might be mostly intellectual like this just box that we check but Jesus fills that word out a little bit more with this visual here that that's not just intellectual it's experiential that something inside of us happens and if we go back to to the first part of this section he's like the invitation is hey anyone who is thirsty let them come to me and drink and then we have the statement about belief and those who believe in him, something happens inside of them. And we're, we're not talking about a physical thirst anymore. Jesus isn't talking about that. He's like, when we believe in him, something new inside of us happens. Something different. And for anyone today who's thirsty for more, who longs for purpose, who's asking questions, 
I think we could make this invitation. It's the same invitation that Jesus is saying. He's inviting all whose soul is thirsty for something new to come to him and receive new life today. That's what I hear when I look at John 7. And I just want to pray into that with you today. That as we start this new year, that we'd be open to this and that we would hear this together. Would you pray with me as we get our time started? Jesus, we just come to you and we've heard your invitation. And Lord, we're praying for that. Lord, we're thirsty for that. We're looking for that. We're looking for new. Something new with you. Something different than we've experienced. And this may not be the first time we've prayed this prayer. God, would you renew us again? And if this is the first time where we've prayed something like this, Lord, we ask that you'd meet us here in a new way. Lord, it's in your name that we pray together. Amen. Amen. And that's where we want to launch today with this invitation. Because this statement in Jesus, he's inviting those who are pursuing something, who are looking for something, who are searching for something, who are seeking something new. And that language of not just believe in me, but seek something more, that language is common all throughout Jesus' teachings. And it's common all throughout the New Testament. And that's where we're going to jump into Colossians 3 together. And we're going to see this language a little bit more and how it applies to our lives in a new way or maybe in a renewed way with what are you seeking today? What are you longing for? What are you thirsting for today? Those are the questions we want to ask, and those are the questions we want to look to Jesus for this, for a new answer today. So we're jumping in uh, Colossians, and as we get ready to jump in Colossians, there's just like this tension that we're going to see in Colossians that, that we can start off with together because the reality is, is you can believe Jesus and not be pursuing Jesus at the same time. And I think that's the tension that some of us find ourselves in as we get ready to hear Paul, the author of Colossians, talk. He's going to talk about this, that we can intellectually believe and at the same time not be pursuing him. And now this is not just true of our faith, right? This can just be true in our life as well. When we stop pursuing new, when we stop pursuing new stops happening. Now, you know this is true in marriages. This is true in our relationships and our friendships. This is true on your team. When you stop working on your feet work, when you stop working on your shot, when you stop working on that certain skill, then your role on the team, you may not be growing at that skill anymore. When, when you stop pursuing to get better at the guitar or whatever that thing is, when you stop pursuing and working on your sales pitch to make it better, when you stop pursuing your spouse, when you stop serving, when you stop listening to, when, when pursuit stops, New experiences stop. We know that's true in life. That can be true in our faith as well. And that in Colossians 3, that's what Paul's going to talk about, this tension that we find ourselves in. And he's going to invite us with a new mindset or a renewed mindset today. Let's jump into Colossians 3 together. And we're going to start here with him in verse 1. Paul says, If you, so if you have been raised, with Christ, seek the things above. There's our language. That's what we're talking about, that hunger, that thirst, that longing. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And we see it again. Set your minds on things above. 
And here we, here we are with this mindset that's common, this, this language all throughout the New Testament. Jesus is teaching and his apostles who wrote the New Testament that, that we are invited not just to believe but to pursue. Those of us who have been raised with Christ are invited to seek New things, and if this is not true of you yet, this can be true of you today. And it's more just than just believing something intellectual; it's seeking something new. And look where he starts to seek things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that phrase, "right hand of God," uh, we can visualize that. You've probably seen movies where there was a king and, and he was sitting on a throne, and then there were people sitting beside him. Or sitting beside a queen. And you just knew by that visual that I don't know who they are sitting beside that person who has ultimate authority. But that probably represents that they are with him. That they, they are under that authority. That they, they, they represent that power as well. And so when we see this picture that right now Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Paul is bringing us back to everything that Jesus has done and accomplished and he succeeded, and he's at the right hand of God. And he's bringing the entire message about Jesus back into play here, and he's reminding us of that. We just celebrated the start of this message and the start of God's work with the Christmas season, with Jesus coming and being born as a baby. And then after that, as he grew up, he lived a righteous and sinless Life and he fulfilled prophecies as the Messiah. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God to the poor. He died a sacrificial death so that our sin could be judged. Instead of in us, on him, he rose from the grave so that the power of sin and death could be broken. And after that, he launched the church where he filled his people who believe in him with a new purpose. They, he filled them with his spirit and gave them a new purpose. And once he did that, he went back to heaven and he sat down beside God and said, I am reigning, I'm ruling. The mission I came to accomplish has started. And I'm reminded of this, this picture here of in Matthew 28 where he gives his great commission. He says this phrase, all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have commanded you. That same language, we see that here. And Paul saying, set your mind on that message, on that truth of that Jesus is reigning and ruling. Seek that if you've been raised with him. And I love that the way he starts this phrase off because that, that, that idea of being raised with him, there's something that we can think about. There's something, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, that you have probably done by now. It's called baptism. And baptism gives us a picture of what Paul is reminding us of. And, and, and he does this um, in a scripture uh, just a couple of chapters before this when he says in Colossians 2, when you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised. There's our same language. This is what baptism illustrates and, and is symbolic of. We've been raised with him through our faith, through our belief in the working of God. That's the goal of the cross, the goal of Jesus coming that we just celebrated at Christmas, the goal of the resurrection, what we'll celebrate at Easter in a few months. Like all of this happening has happened and we have faith in that because God worked through that and now God has filled us and raised us up with new life, just like God raised Jesus from the dead. What God did in Jesus, 
when he raised him from the grave after the cross is what God has done in you and me by raising us up because of our faith and giving us new life and filling us with his spirit. And Paul's reminding us of that. And for some of us, this is new. Like, like, like thinking about this and processing this it is new language. And he's saying, seek this. Like seek this truth. Seek, set your mind to this and not on earthly things. And again, here's that language again. For you have died and your life, this new life, going back to John 7, that's welling up inside of you, this new thirst, you, you, it's in you. This new life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Saying, set your mind on this message, on these truths. I love this imagery that we're hidden with Christ. In the Old Testament, that, that language is used to say, like, hey, just like an eagle uses its wings and kind of protects its young ones, like God is protecting us. We've been brought in him through faith. He's filled us with his same spirit. And we're under his protection. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And our hope is when he comes back, when he appears, then ultimately we will be fulfilled in him. There's kind of this already, but not yet. And Paul's, hey, set your mind on these things. In other words, here's where we'll start together. The Christian life is a life of seeking and pursuing, just like Jesus illustrated in John 7. These are things not just to believe, but, but to further seek and to further pursue these things about Jesus and what they mean for us and what they mean for him. We don't just stop with belief because we're thirsty for more than that. We want more than that. We want more meaning. We want purpose. We, we want identity. We want something new, right? That's what the whole Christian life is about. That's how Paul starts here with this first initial truth that Jesus is reigning in heaven and on earth right now and we are with him and in him if we've been raised with him, if we've put our faith in him, if we've trusted him as our savior. We're with him. Just like those people seated beside the king or queen. We are with him. His power, his, the same spirit that, that rose him, raised him from the grave has raised us up and given us a new calling, a new purpose. And we're to set our minds on this reality and this new truth that right now, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, Jesus is reigning. He's reigning in heaven on earth. He's reigning in my life. He's reigning in your Life And I know that may be new, but, but, but let's stay here and let's keep following Paul because when we put our faith in him, we, bet we are with him. Just like the message of Christmas we just celebrated, right? One of the messianic titles Jesus has given is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Through his spirit, he is with us. We are with him. He and we are in him. That's our status. That's the invitation to seek and pursue. And so the question is, as we seek and pursue that and we understand this and learn more about this, the question that pops up is, what does this look like? Because this is a totally different mindset for some of us. Or maybe we haven't thought about this in a long time. Maybe we're being renewed in this mindset that maybe we've heard it before, whether we have or this is the first. And this is new. This is like a, a different mindset that Paul is giving us, a different way to view our lives and to view our faith. And what does it look like? Practically, 
What does this mindset look like in our lives? And then another question is, like we talked about before, but we can believe Jesus and not be pursuing him. Sometimes we can just get distracted. Why? What are those things that can distract us? What are those things that can trip us up? And it's almost like Paul knows and, and anticipates these questions and this tension in our life. And so we're going to continue in, in chapter 3 here because he, he starts to unpack it. It says, therefore, because all these things are true, right? Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. A couple phrases here and a new term for us to unpack that he'll continue to unpack. Look at this language. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And again, go back to baptism. Go back to that illustration. Just like we laid down, we were laid down in the water. That symbolically says, hey, we're laying our lives down, Jesus. And when we come up out of the water, we're receiving that new life. In that same way that we made that choice, he's saying, hey, put these things down in you. And a new term here, this earthly nature. He'll unpack that. More, But it's almost like there's this earthly nature and this heavenly nature. There's like this competition between what we're going to set our mind on and, and what's going to like lead our mindset. And he's kind of helping unpack that for us. And he gives some examples of what this could look like. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming. It's reality. Set your mind on that upon the disobedient. Let that hit you. Let that hit me right now. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. It's almost like he's creating this before and after view of ourselves now. We used to live in these things. We used to make a habit of, of, of walking in these things and letting these things kind of lead us. But now, again, there's the switch. Set your mind. Seek, pursue. Put away that same language. Put down all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice slander, and filthy language from your mouth. And I just have to ask, like, do any of these examples Paul gives stick out to you in your life? I mean, when we look at this and we say, hey, we're supposed to view these things in a new way now, new mindset. Which of these, like, when you read these or when you heard these, said, ooh, that, that's in my life. Paul would say, hey, recognize that. That's part of this process. That's part of how I'm trying to really recognize that. When we read through some of these things and, 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 and how we talk and how we respond and how we feel and how we act, it's like, hey, do any of these stick out to you? And that's part of what Paul's trying to lead us to do. Because It looks like he's trying to say, hey, as we adopt this new mindset and part of this, setting our minds on things above, part of that process, part of seeking these things and responding to what Paul's saying and living these things out is being aware of the sin that can distract us from that mindset. It's like Paul saying, hey, these things have power to distract us from setting our minds. They have power to change our mindset, to change our attitude. Hey, like when's the last time where, where some unexpected thing happened in your life or somebody said something, somebody didn't meet a quota, somebody didn't turn anything in, something in online, or that person in school that you're doing that group project with did not do their part of the project, and all of a sudden your attitude, like you started thinking thoughts, and all of a sudden your attitude shifted, and it's like that circumstance had power over your mindset. 
And that more than likely directed you to say or do something that you might have walked away and said, ooh, that might have been too much. Paul's like, hey, we need to become more aware in those moments of those things that can distract us. That thing that stood out. Were you aware of that up to this point? Maybe someone shared that with you. I see this in my own life, that this just theme of, man, that being aware of these things can be challenging. Because we can believe Jesus and at the same time get distracted from pursuing him. And sometimes in my life, my anger, my impatience, my desires, my lusts, my my, my temptations that I'm not always aware of. I'm not always aware of how they impact me. I'm not always aware of how I respond to stress. I'm not always aware of how I respond to anxiety or frustration and how those things can distract or those things can kind of take control of me in moments and all of a sudden I'm short with people and I'm too blunt. I'm too to the point. Or maybe I'm unforgiving. And Paul's like, hey, let, let's start here with just awareness. Awareness of those things. And the answer, the question's like, why? Why, why? why is that a part of the process? Why would he start here? Why is that so important? Why would Paul focus on these things? And it's like he's anticipating this in us. And he continues in verse 9. He says, do not lie to one another. Kind of, all right, we're continuing to kind of pull back the curtain. We're continuing to kind of shine the light on these things that can really impact our mindset and our attitude. He says, do not lie to one another since, and this is the why, you have put off, there's our language again, put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. And it's this new language, this new idea, this new attitude about ourselves, this new way of thinking about ourselves. There's an old us and there's a new us. And not only that, you and I, through our faith in Jesus, are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator, which is Jesus. Like He's making us more like him and our understanding of that. He's renewing our knowledge. He wants to renew our knowledge of that. And in Christ, there's not... Greek or Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, scathian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. And so here Paul equips us with a new mindset. He gives us a new tool, a new way to define ourselves. Old self versus new self. Now all of a sudden he's helping us become more aware of what God has done in us and what God wants to continue to do in us that we got to be more aware of this self and how it impacts our attitude and learn more about the new self, the purpose, the calling that Jesus has given us that he wants to walk in. A new way to define ourselves. And this is all over the New Testament. And Paul talks about this a lot. We can go to another scripture and one of his other letters that he wrote to the early church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to how he talks about this same idea here. He says, from now on then, we do not keep, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. In other words, we put down that worldly perspective. We lay it down. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him this way. In other words, their understanding of who Jesus was before they chose to follow him, even that they're saying, Lord, we're laying this down too. 
And we're just thinking of baptism. It's like we're just making this choice to lay down all the thoughts and the beliefs we had before Jesus for a purpose, for a reason. He says, we no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new identity, right? New mindset. He is a new creation. God's done something. The old self versus new self. The old, there's our language, has passed away. And see, the new has come. The Spirit of God has raised us up, going back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. We've been raised with Christ. And the visual here, the imagery, right, the illustration is that, man, we've been made new in him. There's this new self. There's a new Zach. There's a new you. The moment you choose to follow Jesus, you're new. What Jesus promised in John chapter 7, that those who would believe in him, something would happen inside of them. It's like this river flowing, this spring of living water would start flowing up. This new peace, this new joy, this new hope, this new faith, and it would transform them and change them. It would make them into someone new as if they were a new creation. Has happened and is happening. And that's the process we're talking about, that becoming more aware of it. The old has passed, the new has come and if we were to put these two together we see that Paul empowers us with a new identity a new way to view ourselves and calls us to continue to learn how we can live our lives in Christ we're new when we look in the mirror there's someone new looking back at you if you've chosen to put your faith in Jesus. And that's the invitation from Jesus. It's not just to believe something about him for intellectual sake. It is to believe in him and receive something new in him. To become a new person in him. And to be called to live a new life where you are learning, becoming more aware. What are those things that can distract me, that can infect my attitude and my mindset? And how can I continue to learn how to live my life? In Christ. That's what new life in Christ looks like. That's the power of the new life. That's the new mindset. And that is what Paul, that's what Jesus today is encouraging us to seek after. To set our minds on this right here. That we are new in him. And what today is something new we can learn about him. And how we can live for him and with him. And. There at the end, he gave us a new way to view ourselves as well. If we go back to Colossians chapter 3 right here, he says that Christ, in Christ, so, so in him, the new identity, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, uh, scathian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, all these the, the cultural, social, ethnic identities we have he's like even those are laid down and no longer are the thing that we use primarily to define who we are but it's Christ we're in Christ we're in Christ that becomes the new definition the way we view ourselves and not just ourselves but one another that's the power that's the church at its best when the church is filled with the rich and the poor with the city folk and the county folk, 
with people that speak this language and have this color skin and come from this background. And all those things are beautiful and valuable and the unity is beautiful and valuable. But the new identity that supersedes and unites us above anything else is that we are in Christ and we are to seek to follow him. We are to seek with this new mindset. This is our new self. We are new creations in him. No matter our background, no matter where we come from, the old has passed and the new has come. We have a new identity and we're learning to embrace that. And we're learning to apply that in our lives. It says, put this on. And then the, the next question for us, okay. All right, we see this initial step. What does that look like in our lives practically? And that's where Paul, again, anticipating, leads us next. It says, therefore, after all these things, considering all these things, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, starts with new identity. Hey, bringing us back. Remember, you're new. You are chosen. You're chosen, holy, and dearly loved by God through your faith in Jesus. New mindset, new way to view yourself. Put on, lay down those other things. Those are the things to become aware of and lay down. Here are the ways that you learn in that you're being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator. And this is how we become more like Jesus. We put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also are to forgive and above all put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So it gives us an example of things to seek, to set our minds on, and to put on. And, and, and the hinge here, I think the important verse here is this that I have highlighted right here in, in verse 13. It says, when he brings up forgiveness, look at the new way he, 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 he teaches us to think about forgiveness. Just as the Lord has forgiven you. You are also to forgive. What Jesus has done for us, we are to do that for others. We say it like this. We are to put on and choose to live like Jesus did by laying down our preferences. We are to put on. There's our language. We are putting on. We are seeking. We are setting our minds towards these things. And choose to live like Jesus did by laying down our preferences. And everything that Paul just said right here, it, it, there's a choice involved. There's a sacrifice that has to be made. And the example, the inspiration, he brings us back to what Jesus has done for us. The way that Jesus has forgiven you, forgive others. In other words, it's saying, hey, the gospel is the new mindset, and it directs and it leads us in every, in, a, in every situation we have and in every circumstance we have. We are to put on a gospel mindset. Let, let me, if we were to go back, what if we read this like this, as God's chosen ones, put on gospel compassion, gospel kindness. In other words, in the same way that God has been kind to you who get entangled in things that we just talked about, we get sidetracked, we get focused, even though we believe in Jesus, sometimes we start pursuing him and we start pursuing other things, but he's kind towards us. 
Oh, the humility of the Christmas story. Oh, the gentleness of the Christmas story. The patience that God has shown me in my life. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. Yet he continually is patient with me in the same way that God has been patient to me. That gospel patience. I'm now to show others that. Even when they don't deserve it. Even when they don't deserve forgiveness. Like I didn't deserve forgiveness. Jesus still chose to go to the cross. He still took that sacrificial step for me. So there are things in your life right now that are difficult, that are hard. There may be things that have happened that are unforgivable. And he's reminding us, hey, there are things that God should not have forgiven you for or me for. But he did by his kindness and his grace and his love so let that be your motivator. Let that create a new mindset in you to look at unforgivable things and show gospel forgiveness even when it's not deserved. Remember, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Again, to put these things on, we have to lay down our preferences. We have to lay down our impatience. We have to lay down our greed. We have to lay down our bitterness, our frustration. All those things have to be laid down for the sake of putting on the new mindset, the new attitude, the new ways of Jesus. Just something I, I've just been thinking about. You know, sometimes I think we're looking for a miraculous moment in our circumstances. When the miraculous moment is the difficult and sacrificial choice in front of you. Sometimes I'm screaming out, God, I wish you would do something miraculous in them. God, I wish you would change their heart. God, I wish you would fix, get me a new boss. God, like work this situation out. Take this person and lead them there. God, that do something miraculous. And we're always looking somewhere else. But, but the heart of Paul here in Colossians 3 is, is maybe this moment, maybe it's almost like we're thinking about what God did for Moses and the Israelites and how he parted the Red Sea. We're like, God, do something amazing in this situ situation. And I think sometimes God is saying, hey, the miraculous moment or the sea that God wants to part is my anger and my impatience my lack of compassion my lack of forgiveness my bitterness and I think that that is the miraculous moment where we have a dip, difficult but gospel choice to make in front of us where we have to lay something down that's hard to forgive, to show patience. That that's actually the miraculous, gospel-focused. Difficult and sacrificial, but if you remember, the cross was difficult and a sacrifice. That's the way Jesus showed his love to us. That may be the miraculous moment that we need to see happening in our mindset and our attitude. Maybe we need a new perspective of our situations. And as Paul concludes this section, he gives us some more practical things that I think encourage us. And he says, And let the peace of Christ 
to which you were also called in one body, the peace of Christ, rule your hearts. In other words, the peace of Christ, the message of what Jesus has done and how he's forgiven us and how he's been saved and he's Emmanuel, God with us. That brings peace that surpasses all understanding. This new reality is that we are with Jesus and we are in Jesus. And this new peace, this new relationship we have with him, he said, hey, let that rule your heart. Rule your mindset. Lead your heart. Not these other things that can entangle us. So we've got to put this on and lay those other things down and be thankful. Here's another thing. And let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we can take this section and we can ask three questions. Where is the peace of Christ not ruling in your heart right now? Where is is the forgiveness of Christ, the kindness of Christ, the gospel-focused love of Christ? Like, where is the gospel not ruling? Where is it not leading to rule is to lead? And he's saying, hey, what has your heart? What has your emotions? What emotions, what things are leading you right now that aren't the peace of Christ and the knowledge of being in him and the knowledge of being forgiven and being his son and daughter? What's distracting you from that ruling your heart and being the primary thing that's leading your attitude and controlling your mindset and leading your now? What is that thing? We've got to become aware of it right now. And the invitation is to lay that thing down and to choose Christ's peace again, to follow him again. Second question. What does it look like for you to let the word of Christ dwell in your life in a new way this week? And I love that this language, this imagery, it's almost like like dwell dwell with you when he says that in that verse. It's like, hey, the word of God should be so constant. You should constantly be focusing on it and constantly be setting your mind on it. It's as if it's living with you, dwelling with you. How can you make this more a part of your conversations with your spouse and with your kids? How, how, what, if it, what does it look like this week to text people verses and say, hey, I'm praying for you. This verse encouraged me. This verse inspired me. I just wanted to share it with you. What does it look like to post more about his word? What does it look like to set your mind in a new way? Maybe it's create a new habit and take advantage of our time with God resource that you can see more about on our bulletin and on our website. Maybe it's just committing to that this week. You know, I want to set my mind on Jesus' teachings in a new way this week. Maybe it's picking a verse this week and memorizing it. Whatever that looks like for you. And it may not be new. It may just be a renewed passion for this. Because you've been here before, but if you were honest, yeah, you still believe, but you haven't been pursuing. What does it mean to pursue and to seek in a new way? And our last question, what can you do this week with a renewed mindset of doing it in the name of Jesus? That last verse is so beautiful, so challenging. How do you lead your team of employees at work in the name of Jesus? Not with an attitude and a mindset of impatience and anger, but with the attitude and the mindset of renewed, a new or renewed mindset of, I'm doing this as an act of worship for Jesus. How do you parent and discipline in the name of Jesus? How do you forgive your spouse? 
How do you forgive your friend? It may be unforgivable. In the name of Jesus. How do we approach our jobs, our relationships, our friendships, our families with a new mindset that I'm going to do this. I'm going to handle my responsibility. I'm going to handle my finances. I'm going to handle my dating life. I'm going to handle my social media feed. I'm going to handle all of this right now with a new mindset in the name of Jesus. I'll leave you with a picture. What has happened here is that a new tree has started to grow where there was an old tree. From within inside that old tree, this new tree has dug roots and it's found roots and, and, and it's taken some time and it's been a process. You just don't grow this tall overnight, right? But th this is a picture of the process that's happening to you and me right now. There's this new person inside of us, but there's this old us and you can't see these right now, but there's these old roots that sometimes the new roots can maybe get entangled with and get trapped in. And, but, but just like this tree, when we, we got to become aware of those things that entangle us and entrap us. We got to uproot them and, and put them down and lay them aside because God's will for you and for me, the invitation is to become someone new and to lay down and to put down the old us and to set our minds and our focus on the new us that God is creating and growing and inviting us to become within us. What does it look like? For you to seek and pursue Jesus in a new way this week. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your grace, for your word, for the invitation today to seek you, to believe in you, and to seek and pursue and to set our minds on things above, on the gospel, on the good news of all that you've done and all that you accomplished and how right now you are reigning at the right hand of God in heaven, that, that you've given your power and your authority to your people, to the church, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you've raised us up. You made us new in you, and you're calling us to live our lives with a new focus. And for some of us, it's a renewed focus, a renewed heart, a renewed passion for you. So whether that's new or whether that's just a renewed step of surrender and faith today, Lord, would you continue to lead us and make known to us what are the steps that you want us to take? What are the things in our lives that you want us to lay down, to put away? And what are the things you want us to take up and put on as we pursue you? Lord, lead us and rule our hearts. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray together. Amen.